I am Jimbo Paris, and you are listening to the Jimbo Paris Show. So today we have Erin, and she's going to show us about spirituality, awareness, engaging in the natural world. And also she's going to elaborate on a lot of the elemental energies that are within her. Hello, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, good. So can you kind of begin by giving me a brief summary about yourself, who you are, what you're about, and what your message is? Yeah, sure. So my name's Erin. I'm a New Zealander who has, I'm a a psychic medium and spiritual mentor. I work with a a life coach uh, side by side uh, to help mostly women, but obviously there are still some, some men involved in the process as well, to really just identify for themselves how they can engage in a more holistic way with the world, recognizing themselves what the impact is that they want to make in the world and um, and just find the bravery and the, the boldness within themselves to go out and make that impact. So I obviously look at the spiritual side of things. Um, I come at it from an energetic level and a um, very much a spirit guided level. Um, and my business partner is a, a, a qualified coach. So she comes at it from the more mental and emotional side of things and yeah so that's kind of in a nutshell what I do and how do you help them to engage in a more holistic way uh well we have we have a framework that we work with called um which we've called wise it's the w stands for wheel of the year so that's all of the like the natural cycles that are around us things like you know the lunar cycle seasons that kind of thing and the i is intuition so it's connecting with that inner wisdom, connecting with the the spiritual world and um, really just sort of trusting our inner guidance. The S is self-mastery. So that's the, I guess that's the space where we look at like the inner child. We look at shadow work. Um, We do some work around understanding how astrology plays a part and human design plays a part in who we are. And we sort of look at, I guess, how we, how we understand ourselves to be and, and what, you know, what our influences are from within. And then the last is uh, energetics. So it's talking about the different energies around us, whether that's elemental energies, um, the feminine and masculine energies, the wounded energies and sacred energies, and just how we can how we can better use those to our advantage um, rather than giving them the wheel and saying, here, you deal with it. So that's kind of, that's an, like a rough kind of idea of, of how we approach things we have a group program that we work with people in Uh, we also do two to one sessions with people where both of us sort of bring our individual strengths to the table and and share them and yeah so we depending on the person we'll offer different options based on on where they're at and how does one actually decipher between all these different types of energy turn your volume up a second great sorry so i'll repeat it again so how does one decipher between all these different types of energies? You're an intuitive, right? So do you kind of determine each different energy by feeling? Like, how does that all work? Um, in terms of the elemental energies, a lot of it comes back to, I guess, understanding our, our astrological chart and things like that. So understanding, for example, you know, if we were looking at Mercury as a planet and the placement of that, if that's in a fire sign, then that's going to determine how we engage um, in a communication space with the world and with each other and with ourselves. So 
that's part of it is, is really just sort of understanding what our natural tendencies are towards. I don't necessarily see energy, but I can certainly feel energy and I can shift energy in different ways. And I also have, I guess, like the, the masculine and feminine energies. Uh, we do a lot of work around helping, helping people to identify those for themselves. Now, what types of services provide to clients? So what are some of the, you do readings, correct? Yep. Yep. So I offer, um, I offer mediumship readings. So connecting with spirit, connecting with, you know, past loved ones, ancestors, that kind of thing. And there's also... Are there any specific uh, stories you have on that? I'm really interested because every medium I talk to has a great story. Yeah. I mean, I think like every person gets something different from it. Every person wants something different from it. You know, I, I personally have spoken to people. Um, I spoke to a woman who had lost her son. He was eight and passed from an illness and she just needed to connect with him to feel like, like to know that he was okay and to just know that he was still connected to her somehow. And so we spent, you know, we spent an hour with him and it was really interesting because it was clear that he was the the older energy of the two of them. And so he was providing all of this beautiful, loving wisdom to her just saying like, you just have to keep going. You can't stop just because I'm not here. And, and, you know, she came away from that and she said it, it just felt like everything had changed for her and in, in the way that she saw her future. Similarly, I've had a, a young woman, she is 19 and her mum passed away when she was 10. And um, she really just wanted to know that her mum was proud of what she was doing. And so a lot of the, the readings that I do are about validation. So, she didn't tell me anything like she didn't tell me anything about her mum or anything about herself, but I was able to say, Hey, mum's showing me a uniform. She's showing me a uniform and she's showing me caring for people. So I'm going to say maybe like a nurse or something like that. And she's like, yeah, I'm going into nursing. So she just wanted to know that her mum was proud of that. And I said, look, mum's just really excited that you're doing that stuff. And, you know, she messaged me not long after that to say that she'd just passed her final exam and qualified. And she's like, I felt like mum was there while I was writing the exam. She was just there with me. And she hadn't felt that connection before. So, you know, I think it's it's a really beautiful opportunity for me to to share with people um, in a way that just gives them a little bit of peace and a little bit of connectedness that they're missing. And certainly for me, it's changed the way I view my own mortality and, and what happens after after we die and, and, you know, where we go and what we do. So, yeah, it's, it's a really, really beautiful gift to have. And how did the progression of your talents sort of work? Were you always like this naturally or did you actually have to actively <laughs> practice it? Um, I didn't have to actively practice it, but I, I didn't have access to it for many, many years. So about 18 months ago, I had always been a little bit of a skeptic about psychics and, and mediums. I kind of wasn't sure if I believed in it. You know, I'd had a, a lot of uh, friends go to them and, and come away feeling a little bit, you know, like, oh, they were just kind of guessing or, you know, it was quite broad. So they were going to hit something. And so I, I was a little bit skeptical, but my friend recommended a medium. And uh, so I decided that I would go along and, and have a reading with her. And towards the end of the reading, she said to me, you're just like me. You have every gift that I have. You're capable of doing what I do. And I just laughed. I was like, there's no way, like no way that I can do any of that stuff. I've got no idea what you're talking about. 
And so she offered to, to mentor me a little bit and threw me in the deep end and asked me to read for someone. And I'll never forget it. The first time that I had to read for someone, she said, what can you, you know, what do you pick up? And I just said, look, I just keep hearing Dancing Queen by ABBA in my head. Like I can't, I can't actually think because it's so loud. And the woman that I was reading for said, my mum and I used to sing that song and dance in the kitchen together. And, uh, and I was like, okay, cool. Is your mum in spirit? She's like, yeah, shit. It's actually the anniversary of her death today. And, uh, so for me, that was like a huge validation that there was something, um, because that's not a song that I would normally sing. (laughs) And yeah. And so it, it kind of just came in really hard and fast, if I'm honest, you know, I, I was what, 38 at the time and yeah, it just like, as soon as I knew that it was there, it's like, I couldn't shut the door on it. It just came through whenever it wanted to. And I started to, you know, connect to spirit really easily. And, and for me, it's really strong. Like it's, it's something that I, you know, can do quite, quite comfortably without having to, I guess, but yeah, it's not something I have to try a lot for. It just kind of happens. And when you were doing a lot of this spiritual stuff, how did you then take your skills and then mold it into more of a business and when did you gain the self-assurance that you can actually work with clients <laughs> i'm not sure you ever really fully have that if i'm honest i think there's always a little bit of anxiety around it um a little bit of of doubt about you know is it gonna is it just gonna suddenly stop especially because it just suddenly started <laughs> i guess if it can start it can stop right but uh, so I pretty much, as soon as I started to started to feel feel that I was comfortable with it and that I knew that I was capable of it, um, I started to do readings for friends and and started to talk to other people about it. And and then earlier this year, I connected with my business partner who is also quite a spiritual person, but doesn't hadn't really brought that into her business. And, um, and we talked about, you know, our, our shared vision for the world and, and what we think is important. And, and our values just aligned so strongly that we started to ask each other, like, maybe we should be, you know, doing something together to, to try and create the impact. And so, you know, my, I guess my work, because I'm so guided by spirit, it's not something that I have to think a lot about in terms of, you know, what is it going to look like and how is it going to work? It's more... I go into every session, um, whether it's with a, an existing client or a new client or just a one-off session, like a reading, I go into everyone just trusting that I'm going to be guided to whatever is necessary for that person. I'm really connected deeply to my own ancestors. They show up for me a lot and and I just, I trust that they have my back and that if I'm supposed to be doing this, they'll keep con- continuing that. And, you know, if I'm not supposed to be doing it, I'll get clear signs that that's I'm not supposed to be doing it anymore. So, yeah, it's a, it's a trust thing, I think. Where do these signs come from? Because I feel like certain people get intuition in different ways. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously um, different clears, which are, are the different sort of feelings or um, signs that you get. For me, it started with numbers, actually. Uh, and that's because my, my grandmother is actually one of my strongest guides. And um, her... Her and I, when I was little, we used to spend a lot, a lot of time um, doing like number puzzles and word searches and things like that. And so I know that she's guiding me when numbers pop up. Um, I'll see synchronicities in numbers. For example, when I met my wife, 
Um, she was born on my mum's 20th birthday. Her, her PIN number on her bank account was the same four digits as mine in a different order. Um, and then her bank account was my birthday. Like the number was the, my birthday, date, month and year. So, you know, I, I look at that sort of stuff and I just see that's a synchronicity that you can kind of can't deny. Like it, it's not just a coincidence. Some people see, you know, feathers and particular types of bird or animal, that kind of thing. Um, some people will hear songs. You know, I quite often hear a song with a lyric um, and that lyric is important. Um, so it's less about the song and more about what the word is that keeps coming through. So if I'm asking for guidance on something, I'll hear a particular song and I know that that's my guides giving me the, the answer in a way that I'll understand it. You know, sometimes it's a feeling. I've had in readings, I've had smells. So I'll get a, like a smell of like tobacco or something like that or whiskey. Um, and often that represents an older man. Yeah, it, it, it really depends. And it's it's very personal to everyone. Like it's not something that, it's not something that I think you can kind of predetermine for people. Uh, it's just about being open to it and about, um, I always say if there's someone in particular that you want to connect with, um, let them know what sign you'll accept as being meaningful from them. Um, so just, you know, just talk to them and say like, you know, my, my grandmother provides numbers. My other grandmother provides music. Both of those things are meaningful to my relationship with them. And I recognize them instantly as being from them. Um, and and everybody has that capability, I believe. Um, it's just, you know, re remembering to ask for it and then um, paying attention. I think we get a little bit stuck sometimes in being busy and not um, not noticing things that come up. And now I'm thinking, how do we as people improve our own awareness of perhaps signs or synchronicities? Like how do we how do we pay attention? Yeah, you because you seem like the master of this. <laughs> I don't know about that. It's taken a long time for me to notice them. Um, I always joke about the the feather brick truck. Like the feather is kind of that really subtle little nudge that we get from the universe that says, hey, pay attention. And when you don't pay attention to that, the next thing to come along is going to be a brick thrown at you. Um, and if you don't listen to that, the truck will hit you because it'll just stop you in your tracks and make you pay attention. Um, that's, for me, it, my experience of that is that it's usually like quite a physical thing. So, you know, you probably end up really sick or you might, you know, end up with a really bad headache that you just can't shake. And as soon as you start paying attention and start doing what the universe has been asking you to do, it shifts. I, I think, honestly, it's about getting to know your own your own truth around that stuff, how things come forward for you. So what's the most comfortable thing? I've always been very inclined to music. If I want to, I much prefer having music going than having silence. Um, I struggle with silence a lot. But if I have music going, I can I can actually stop and, and feel really centered. And so I, I often hear things. That's probably my strongest sign is that I hear things. Clear audience. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's that's kind of the, for me, that's the connection. Um, for other pe people, I know they have really vivid dreams. Um, and so, you know, it would it would be saying, well, you know, a clairvoyance is obviously your strongest sort of sign that you're going to get. So pay attention to what you see. Um, and if you start, you know, pay attention to patterns, pay attention to things. Um, but again, ask for what you want. You know, we have the power to attract what we want. 
if if we're saying, well, I really want to see a purple car today, and if I, you know, I'm going to be looking for a purple car, and when I'm supposed to see it, I will see it. Then you will see a purple car if you believe that if, that, if you believe that that connection is there. Um, so it's about really sort of you kind of almost have to like train the muscle um, and and just be aware. Like, don't get so stuck in your humanness that you disconnect from your spiritual being. Um, you really want to try and live as best you can because, I, in my view, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. Um, you really want to try and live at the intersection of those two things. Uh, you don't want to be too far in the spiritual because then you forget to, to live your human experience and you forget to pick up the lessons and things that that brings. But you don't want to be too human either because if you do that, then you spend so much time living that you forget that you're supposed to experience and just be. And yeah, so it's it's really about like paying attention, just knowing what is most likely to come up for you and then just paying attention and um, remembering to slow down a little bit and be present. The more present you are, the more you'll notice. How do you personally ask for things and believe them? How do you cultivate those qualities or those skills because you said it's like a, a muscle it is a muscle but when I first started I didn't believe that I could do it and actually one of the the best things that I did was read um e squared by Pam Grout which is very much about teaching you about the how to use the law of attraction and and how to like it's a series of experiments basically that that teach you about how you can engage with the universe on that level and it's just I think for me it's about asking for things that I know I will notice like it's not something that I'm going to see all the time it's not something that I'm necessarily expecting to see but it's also not so far out that it's not likely to be possible you know like asking for a purple car is not quite as dramatic as saying I want to see a gold limousine you know like it's it's about making sure that and, and if I'm not going to leave the house, I'm not going to ask for a car because where am I going to see it? So it's about sort of making sure that, you, that you're that you open to the possibility that it will show up, providing opportunity for it to show up, but also just being asking for things that you know you'll see and go, oh, yeah, that's what that's about. Um, you know, you don't want to ask for a red car because there's so many of them. You're going to see it. It's not like it's you can't believe that that's on purpose because it's likely to happen all the time. So it has to be that sweet spot between rare enough that you'll notice it, but not so rare that it's actually impossible. That's very interesting. And kind of diving back into what you do, you sort of go into four elements. What's that all? Yeah. I'm very interested to know. Well, I mean, the natural world obviously is is built of, of four elements of of wind or air, um, fire, earth, and water. And I mean, in the society that we live in now, um, which you know is very patriarchal, it's very capitalist, it's very much you know that industrial sort of society that we live in. We're quite disconnected from a lot of that stuff. We're quite disconnected from what those elements can serve us with. Uh, you know, a lot of us are disconnected from nature completely because we live in concrete jungles, basically. And so the each element serves us in a different way. Fire, for example, is transformative. It's, you know, when you when you set something on fire, it's never going to be the same again. It's always going to transform. And you, you can choose whether to, to transform into ash or you can 
choose to transform into the heat that sustains us or the light that we need. Like it, it really, you know, it's up to you what what you transform into, but bringing forward the energy of fire is a really great way to do that. It's also a really good way to transform your thoughts. So, you know, you've probably heard people say like, write a list of all the things you want to let go of and then go and burn it, right? And it, and that's just about that that transformation of the energy behind those things. And likewise with things like water, like water is a really good medium to shift energy. You'll often hear people when they feel really uneasy, they want to go to the, the ocean or they want to go to the lake or they want to be in water, they'll have a bath. Water is really good at shifting energy and it's really good at cleansing. And so engaging with that element in a way that serves us in that way is is really important. It's, it's something that, um, you know, it's a very emotional energy, water. Um, water is a very feminine energy and so you know if if you are needing to engage that sort of like if you've got heavy emotion I always tell people like if you're if you're really in grief find a way to bring water into your day so that that can help you shift that energy so that it can help it won't it won't necessarily heal what hurts but it'll shift the energy behind it so that you can actually deal with the emotion rather than having the emotion hold you stuck so yeah, like it, it's about bringing those energies in. The air energy is all about clarity. It's very intellectual. So it's about, you know, really having, you know, you hear people talk about blue sky thinking and that's very much the air energy. It's that that expansive intellect and um, being able to sort of use logic and, and that kind of thing, problem solve. And then the earth energy is obviously just really grounded. It's nurturing. It's the, the earth nourishes us. It's where we grow food and that kind of thing. So if you're feeling like you need to be nourished, often you'll go for like root vegetables and things like that because they grow in the earth and that's nourishing and nurturing in that in that space. So yeah, it, it really sort of each element has its own part to play and and we need to make sure that they stay fairly fairly balanced. Um, but that's why it's important to know what energies we naturally have in in our own um, experience. Um, and, you know, astrological charts are a great way to, to do that. When you understand, for example, like I'm, I'm an earth sign, so often I come across as really grounded, but I also have quite a lot of quite a lot of fire in my in my chart. So it's about making sure that I balance that stuff out and that, you know, when I know that fire is my natural tendency or my ruling kind of element in a particular area of life, I really try to balance that out with some water and some earth energy and, and just make sure that I don't overdo the uh, <laughs> overdo the masculine fire energy that's there. So you're like a volcano, right? Earth and fire. It's pretty interesting. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. It you know, yeah. it is interesting because the fire energy is very masculine, it's very striving, it's very leader, you know, it's it's light, it lights the way kind of thing. And um earth is much more feminine and much more grounded and still. And um so yeah, they balance each other out really nicely. But yeah, when they when they blow, they blow big time and uh you do have to be <laughs> be careful of that. So that's why balance is really important. And when you understand how those all show up for you naturally, then um, then you can work with them and you can, you know, protect yourself, protect the people around you and use them to your advantage. How did you cultivate balance in your life? I think, like, it's really important for me to have, I'm, I'm quite introverted, so it's really important for me to have time to myself. I really need to make sure that I engage in regular spiritual practice. So whether that's meditation or journaling or whether it's connecting with spirit, or sometimes it's even just about like doing some really, really solid grounding practice. That's really important for me. 
I have two children, two boys who are really busy. One's 10 and one's nearly seven. So they're really busy and they're they're great for nurturing my inner child quite a lot. I can get a little bit stuck in the seriousness of life, like, you know, work and home and dealing with, you know, earning money and getting the household sorted and all of that sort of stuff. And I sometimes forget to have fun. And so they're really great for balancing that part of it out. And we we spend a lot of time in nature having fun. We go kayaking, hiking, biking, all of that sort of stuff. And so that, you know, that sort of all cultivates balance for me. I have beautiful friends that, that I can connect with different friends for different reasons. I tend to I, I tend to notice a lot more, I would say, in the last 12 months, I've really cultivated an awareness for myself around when I can feel myself going into unbalanced and and really starting to notice what it is that I need to get back into balance. You know, no one's perfect and I certainly haven't um, managed to master that process just yet. But yeah, it, it's really about understanding what you need to be at your best and then when you start to fall away from that, knowing how you can get back to that. And, you know, there are that those four elements of wellness, the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And it, it's just about making sure that you have balance in each one so that, you know, it's a, a nice round wheel as opposed to a wheel that has a, a flat corner. This, uh, this other topic, awakening the wise woman. What is, what mm. is that all about? That's, um, so that's the business that I have with my, my business partner. And it, it actually started because when we were talking, we both kind of felt a little bit, I guess, a little bit, a little bit angry that we kept getting told that you couldn't really be wise until you were really old. You know, it's it's one of those things where you know when you look at life cycles, you kind of have that that maiden stage, um, and then the mother stage where you kind of have young children and you're in that nurturing and giving to others stage. And then you go into like the wild woman, which is kind of that premenopausal. I've got no young children. So I go off and learn out more about who I am. And then postmenopausal stage is kind of that wise woman stage. And there's similar stages, obviously, for men, but not with women associated. And, you know, for us, we were like, well, we don't want to wait until, you know, 20 years down the track to be in that phase, we've we've got wisdom that we can share with the world now. And actually the world needs us to share it now because we don't want our children to have to go through what we go through in our current life and in our current society. And I think the world has been waiting for people. I say people because I firmly believe men are part of the solution, but the world has been waiting for people who are conscious of that need to shift the paradigm around how we engage with each other and how we engage with the earth. They've been waiting for, for those people to stand up. And and so we're very much like we know that in order to be better, we need to encourage women to step back from the masculine constructs of the way we've been raised. We need to step back from, you know, doing business in a masculine way. We need to step back from having really strong patriarchal societies and bring it back into balance so that there's a good balance of feminine and masculine in there. We don't think it necessarily has to go all the way to feminine. Um, I don't think that's healthy either, but it needs to be more balanced. And there are certainly men as well who are stepping up and starting to understand that as well. So it's about joining with the right people and and acknowledging that awakening that is happening amongst women, especially for us, we've noticed between the ages of sort of 35 and 55, where, you know, 
we're starting to understand that actually there's something more to what we're supposed to do than just be mum and have a career and have a house and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And, and I don't think our mothers knew that. I think our mothers thought that that was actually perfectly acceptable for them to have and that's what they should want. But we, we just want a little bit more and we want our children to have a little bit more again. So that, that's kind of where it started. And yeah, and that's the, I guess, the value behind the work that we do. So when did you first ever notice a situation where there was a lack of this balance and you needed to be the pioneer of change in the world? I think on, a, on some level, I've always felt it. I've always felt a little bit like, I guess, like growing up, I was always really close to my grandmothers. And it always made me really sad that they had grown up in a time that didn't allow their brilliance to be seen by the world. They were both really highly intelligent women. They were, you know, they had talent and they had dreams. And, you know, they're both, they were 1920s, 1930s babies. So they very much grew up in a world where they were expected to grow up, get married and have children. And that was their life. And it always made me feel a little bit sad. And then, you know, I noticed my mum doing much the same sort of thing. And I always knew that I wanted to be a parent. I always knew that I wanted to get up, uh, you know, grow up and, and get married and all of that sort of thing, put roots down. But I also knew that that wouldn't satisfy me fully. And it wasn't until I met Ali, my business partner, that I probably was brave enough to actually acknowledge that in the world. I'd always kind of felt it, but never really had a place to put it. And our business has given me a place to put that energy and, and really allow it to grow and expand. And I think she feels the same that, you know, she's always kind of felt that desire for more than what she's been told she can have and, and having a place to put that and, and having a place to allow that to grow and, and be seen has been a real game changer for both of us in terms of our own lives. Um, and certainly the women that we've worked with have, have also, you know, said they feel a lot more brave and bold in the world and, and a lot more aligned with what they want to do in the world. So, yeah. And what types of services do you provide to your clients? Because it sounds like you do readings, but the way you discuss balance, I feel like you also do a combination of uh, healings as well. Yeah, yeah. So I do, I do mediumship readings and psychic medium readings. I also have done a lot of ancestral work. So ancestral healing, ancestral connection, that kind of thing. I also do, I've got a little bit of training in past life regression. Um, a little bit of training in Akashic Records regression training and things like that. I'm currently learning a little bit more about hypnotherapy and working through a um, certification on that. So I, I bring all of what I know and all of what I've experienced to every session. And like I said earlier, I just allow myself to be guided to whatever is necessary for that person. In terms of the work that I do inside Awakening the Wise Woman, we offer one-to-one -one sessions where I bring all of that stuff to the table. But we also have a, a group program that has all of that stuff in it. It has self-mastery work. It has healing. It has expansive work, spiritual practice opportunities. We run full moon and, and new moon circles. We also, you know, offer readings to our client. And yeah, we have, you know, like we have a 90-day program that we run people through that, again, is, is really an opportunity for Ali to do the coaching and for me to do the energy work and the, the more spiritual stuff alongside it, because we, we firmly believe that you, you need to have both, like both need are necessary in order to achieve the result that we're looking for. And so that's, you know, that's where we go with it is, is very much whatever is necessary will bring, 
bring together and, and provide. And what types of, so we talked a lot about that, but are there any other things you sell or services you provide to your clients? Do you have any books, products, anything like that, et cetera? Um, we do have a we have a um, self study what we call spiritual foundations program, um, which is nine modules, uh, giving you a glimpse of uh, like a whole lot of different spiritual practices. Um, so there's information about things like meditation and journaling. There's information about connecting with your intuition. There's a little bit of information in there about moon cycles and how to engage with the moon cycle for manifestation. There's information about astrology and human design in there there's some there's some information about casting spells and rituals ellie is quite witchy in her personal life and she's bringing more of that to the business so we do a lot of ritual work and a lot of you know she does spell casting and i do more of the spirit connection thing so there's that as a as a digital product that you can buy and work through as a self-study we have a, a free ebook at the moment that is based around just five ways that you can engage with natural cycles and lunar cycles and intuition to, to just find ways to be a little bit braver. Yeah. And then, you know, we have a, we have a Facebook group. We're about to put our podcast out um, at the end of the month, which um, we'll be launching hopefully at the stage of the 1st of November. And yeah, so we, we just really just want to serve. So we put out as much information and as much guidance as we can around what we believe to be the, the the changes that are necessary and then, you know, allow our people to engage with it in whatever way makes sense for them. And, yeah, we're always sort of shifting and changing and, and providing new things based on what people tell us they want. So how do you think we can – how do you – what is the first step to kind of changing society as a whole and kind of really bringing in a mass audience of people to kind of – develop more of a balance? I think probably the first thing is about really, like everybody needs to understand what their truth is. Um, I think for, for a long, long time, we've been conditioned to believe certain things are true. And, you know, particularly as women, but I mean, it, it happens for men as well. Like we're, we're basically told like you shouldn't question that, you know, to be a, a person or to have value, you have to kind of just trust that what they're telling you is true. And we don't believe that at all. You know, our, our belief systems are largely started before we even sort of hit the age of seven or eight. And there's no way that we can independently create beliefs at that age. They're all taken from somewhere else. Um, but we're then not encouraged to go into life and challenge those or unpack those and, and really understand if they're ours or not. And um, so that's the first thing, I think, is that that sense of awareness, that sense of understanding what is true for us, because when we know that, then we know what we can stand on, what we can build foundations on. And we start to attract people who have similar beliefs. And that collectivism is super important. If without gaining that, that collective movement, without having the, you know, we're always braver with someone beside us. We're always bolder when we know that we have the collective alongside us. And I think that's what the world needs is for people to feel braver and bolder and to just really trust their wisdom instead of, you know, buying into the messages that they've always been given about this is how it should be. And how do you think people can cultivate more of that trust? I mean, for me, the, the, the first thing that I always start with with anybody is just understanding. So when we talk about intuition and we talk about being connected with yourself, understanding what yes feels like for you and what no feels like for you in your body. 
So um, if you stand in front of a mirror and just look yourself in the eye and just start saying, yes, 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 and really pay attention to what it feels like in your body, that is going to be your North Star. Like that is never going to change. What, you know, if you look back throughout your life, every time where you've intuitively known that something is a yes, it, there's always been the same physical sign of that. Um, and, and likewise with no, you know, if you're ever feeling a little bit anxious, if you're ever feeling a little bit like, oh, I don't really know if this is right for me, or you just get that really bad feeling that something's not right, they will usually feel exactly the same in your body. It'll show up in the same place. It'll show up with the same sensation. Might might look like a color. It might feel like a temperature. Like, you know, I've had people who are like, I just go really, really hot when it's a no. Like my whole body feels like it's on fire and I just know something bad is going to happen. And I'm like, well, trust that. And ask yourself, like if you're going into a situation and you're not sure whether you can trust it, ask yourself, is this right for me? And then pay attention. Is it yes or is it no in your body? Because that'll never let you down. That is like your most connected to yourself is when you can when you can build that trust up, gather evidence, like ask for ask for little things like, you know, should I have this for dinner? Is it, you know, is it a good idea to go outside? And, you know, if it's raining, ask yourself, is it a good idea to go outside and just allow the no to come forward so that you can learn to trust that if you ask, you will get the right answer. You will Where always have the best answer. From? Does it come from a voice in your head or... Is it more for physical? Some people it is. For some people, it's it's voice. Again, it's different for everybody. And, you know, I've had some people say that, you know, no for them is a real tense feeling in their shoulders. Like they just suddenly feel really tense. I've had others feel really nauseous. Um, I've had someone who told me that her no is always like she feels like her feet are stuck in place and she can't move them. Like her legs just get really heavy. I've had other people who, like I said, have had temperature things where like a, a no for them has been really hot and they just all of a sudden feel quite like almost sweaty. It, it depends for everybody. For me, no is usually here. It's usually in my heart space and it feels like grief. So when I, when I know that something is a real no, I just get this real heaviness in my chest that just feels like someone's standing on it. Um, and, I, and that's the same feeling that I get when, you know, when I'm in grief and, and mourning someone. So, yeah, it's about really getting to know your own, your own inner compass, I guess, and, uh, and knowing that you can rely on it. Like, like I said, gather evidence, allow yourself to, um, to ask questions and and trust what comes up for you because your yes and your no won't change. It is, some people think it's intuition. Some people think that it's your spirit guides. I don't know if I have the right answer for that, to be honest. I don't think it matters what it is. I think what matters is that you can trust it and only you can really answer whether you do or not. All I can tell you is that every person I've worked with who has gone down that path of exploring that has learned to trust, to trust it. And I think that, you know, for me, I trust that more than I trust what goes, what goes on in my head because most often what's going on in my head is my ego and it's trying to keep me small or, you know, my inner critic who's coming forward and saying, actually, that's not right for you because this could happen and this could happen and that might hurt. And so it's, you know, dropping back down into a more physical rather than a, a mental state. How can you tell the difference between a physical and mental state usually when you work with this stuff? Well, I mean, a mental state is all your thoughts and, and that sort of stuff. Your inner critic will always sound the same. My It's interesting, Ali, my business partner, says that her inner critic always sounds like a really grumpy old man, but her like her 
intuition or her inner mentor, that really loving voice, she's like, it always feels really gentle and it's always softer, but it's just more um, more loving. And so that's how she tells the difference between whether it's a, a thought, like a mental process, or whether it's a feeling, is that one feels softer and, and more loving and the other one feels quite gruff and quite critical. So yeah, like I said, everybody, everybody's different with that. Everybody has a different inner critic voice. I think if we're honest with ourselves, that mental, that mental and intellectual thought that goes on isn't really connected to us. It's about external things. And if we really want to make the best decisions for ourselves, it's important to listen to that stuff, but then it's important to connect with our, with our own internal, our internal dialogue and our internal intuition, because that won't lead us wrong. That's the, you know, that's the, the firm answer, I think. And when you did all this, what, what is some advice you would give to your younger self? Um, if I think about who I was when I was younger, there's definitely aspects of who I am now that um, I suppressed or blocked. I think I would just, I would just let myself know that actually, like you will find your people, you will, you will find the people that make sense to you and that you make sense to, and just, just keep following what feels right. Keep trusting that there are people on the other side supporting you. Like I, I really genuinely trust my ancestors to to serve me well, you know, and that's because I've cultivated a relationship with them. So yeah, just that that would be my biggest advice is just really know who you are and then be unshakable in that. Know what you believe in, be unshakable in that. Because when you when you do know who you are and what you stand for, you'll attract the people who are needing that and who believe that too. Uh, and you you can't really go wrong when you've got people around you that support you no matter what. When we talk a lot about awakening here, what did awakening feel like to you? <laughs> For me, it was really hard and fast, actually. A, a lot of people talk about sort of a 10-year process or something like that. It wasn't like that at all for me. It was very much like I opened the door and uh, there was, you know, seven or eight feet of snow on the other side of it that just all of a sudden fell in. Yeah, it, it, it was not comfortable a lot of the time. I struggled to understand what was what was happening and I started to question a lot of like, does this change who I am and, and does this mean that I've, you know, been lying to the world and lying to my, my partner and my friends and my, you know, myself about who I am. So, you know, there was some, some really challenging times. And again, it was the people around me that made the difference between um, still being in that place and being where I am now you know, really starting to understand, like stripping it back and, and acknowledging that, you know, as much as I'm a spiritual being and as much as I'm, you know, possibly more spiritual than most, I'm still a human as well. And there are aspects of our humanness that make the spirituality really challenging. And there's aspects of our spirituality that make human humanness cha um, challenging. So, you know, it's it's really important to, to be self-compassionate and um, and really kind to ourselves about it. Um, and just know that, you know, it's all, it's all about a journey. There is no destination here because even when we transition to spirit and, um, join the ancestral realm, that's still not the destination. So, you know, like it, it is, it's a constant journey and, and it's just important to remember that and to enjoy the moment. Um, cause even when it's hard, there's a reason for it. And can awakening happen to any of us, even yeah. those that may not be doing what you're doing exactly? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. I think awakening as a concept is about 
really um, opening yourself up to the um, the possibility that what you thought was true might not be. Um, and that doesn't have to be even spiritual, you know. I mean, we can have um, awakenings in, in different um, aspects of our lives that are, are far less spiritual than the one that I'm, you know, just coming out of, I guess. I think, yeah, it, it's about being open to the possibility of things that you thought were true not being true, being open to, you know, really examining that and being honest with yourself about it. And if I'm honest, the majority of awakenings aren't something we can control. They happen. We can choose to fight against them or we can choose to go with the flow. And it's a little bit like being on a river in a kayak, you know, like you can choose to 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 go down river and just sort of allow the river to take you to the right place or you can paddle against it and get really freaking tired and really not gain a, a whole lot. So it's about trying to find ease in the process. And again, that comes from being kind to yourself, being gentle with yourself and, and just making sure that you get, get what you need emotionally and physically especially and there's no time limit to this how long does it actually take to get awakened i'm not sure that as humans we ever fully get awakened i think it's a process it's it's a journey it happens at different pace and different place for everybody you know i if i look at at my journey and ellie's journey as an example ellie started her awakening more than 10 years ago and it's been very slow and very gentle for the most part she's kind of felt at times that you know while it was a little bit uncomfortable it was still fairly easy mine was much more like the truck than the feather (laughs) it was much more like I got hit with it all of a sudden and was like hey you haven't been paying attention so now we're just going to sit you down and you're going to listen and and it was deeply uncomfortable and you know but it but it also happened really quick and I found quite a, a much higher level of comfort faster than um than Ellie did with hers so you know it it depends on the person you know sometimes it happens when we're sort of in our early 20s sometimes it doesn't happen until we're in our 60s or 70s I I, it happens when it's supposed to happen it's always for our highest good and we just have to you know honor it as when it comes up and and I yeah trust that the universe will help us if we ask for what we need you know if if you need someone to come along and guide you, ask for that, ask for the mentor that you need. You know, if it's more just, I need a a little bit of a break from it, ask the universe for that. You know, whatever it is that you need, if you don't ask, you won't receive. And how does one ask for something without, do you think there's different things people do to maybe make it harder for them to receive something from the universe? Some of it is belief. Some of it is, you know, like it's all very well and good to ask something but if you don't believe that you can have it um it makes it very very difficult for the universe to deliver so belief is a large part of it i think there's also an element of like we're not probably more so women but you know it is certainly there's a lot of people that really struggle with receiving help you know more than asking for help receiving the help is actually the the challenge for them so it's being okay with needing help and recognizing that doesn't make you weak or less worthy or you know whatever it is that your little um ego mind is telling you and and i i guess for me when you ask for something from the universe ask for it in a way that you're not attached to how it shows up so which is you know the secret for manifestation if you like that when you when you know what it looks like when you get there when you know what it feels like when you get there that's what you ask for don't ask for each step don't ask for the next step ask for the end outcome 
um, because the universe will deliver in, in a myriad of ways and not always the way that you expect. And if you limit the way that the universe can show up, um, then you also limit the opportunity for them to show up. You know, if you if you're open to receiving it in whatever way the universe can deliver, often it'll come in a completely different way to that you expect. You know, you say, "I really want to, I really want a, an extra thousand dollars this month," and then suddenly you get, you know, a discount on something that you weren't expecting, and there's half of it done. You know, it's if but if you'd said, "I really need a thousand dollars into my bank account this month." That's a lot harder for the the universe to deliver. It's too specific. Time so, um, too. Yeah, yeah. We don't get to choose time. Time is a is a whole other conversation because it, it's very much a construct that that we use as humans to to guide our way. But yeah, I think you just have to be open to receiving it, however it can come, and and ask for ask for that what you want it to feel like or what you want it to look like when you get there, rather than um you know the path that you think it should be down. Now, this was a very good interview. Do you have any final Thanks. words you would like to say to the audience? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think I've used lots and lots of words, actually. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your your thoughtful questioning. And, you know, hopefully people get some, you know, something from it, even if it's just something really small. And, you know, obviously, if, if you want to reach out, feel free to do so. And I'll, I'll gladly um, talk to anybody about the questions they have. All right, I'm Jimbo Paris, and this is the Jimbo Paris Show. Thank you for coming on. All right. Thank you for listening to the Jimbo Paris Show. 